Well, good morning. It is uh, wonderful to be with you again today as we continue our series titled A Family of Families. And today we are looking at a prayerful family of prayerful families. This series is all about what type of family we want to be as a church and what type of families we want to have um, as as our home families, whether you're a family of one or two or five or seven or more. Um, these are elements that will be positive for every family. And as, as more families at Linwood uh, have these characteristics, um, we will have them more collectively as well. And so we've been talking about this. It's not going to be an exhaustive list at all. We started with a healthy family of healthy families because healthy things grow and accomplish their intended purpose. And that's what we want our families to do. And that's what we want our family of Linwood Church to do. As well as uh, the following week, we did uh, a grateful family of grateful families. And we talked about how gratitude unlocks and unleashes joy in our lives. And we looked at the parable, of, or the story, I should say, of the ten lepers and how all were cleansed, but one returned to give thanks. And Jesus says that one was made well. That gratitude and having a grateful spirit truly makes us well. Uh, this week we are looking at a prayerful family of prayerful families that we would be uh, prayerful family, always um, in, in constant prayer and constant communication with the Lord. Uh, we'll also be looking in this series at humble families of humble families, as well as a united family of united families and a missional family of missional families. And it all kind of comes back to that first week as we started the series and we were talking about being a healthy family of healthy families. The healthier each of our families becomes and the healthier we become as a family, all of these elements will will become stronger. We'll become more grateful, more prayerful, more humble, more united, more missional. And as we become all of those things, we'll become healthier as well. And that really points back to this principle of hermeneutics that we've been talking about, where the better you understand the whole of something, the better you will understand the parts. And the better you understand the parts of something, the better you will understand the whole. And so there's this dynamic relationship between the parts and the whole that we see with the uh, individual families that make up Linwood Church, but also Linwood as a family. And so when we talk about this, we're talking about each individual, each family, and each member or each each um, family and the part that they play in our overall church family. Now, this week is the shortest passage I've ever preached on. It's actually only two words. So if you've ever had trouble memorizing scripture and maybe even convinced yourself that you couldn't memorize scripture, today is a day when you can memorize a verse of scripture and you can meditate on it and reflect on it throughout the week. Because the passage that we're looking at is, and the, the scripture that we're looking at today is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which is just two words. And the two words are pray continually. So if you ever thought that you couldn't memorize scripture, that it was just too hard, you could close your eyes right now and recite, pray continually. And, and you would have at least memorized that verse. Another one you might want to look up is John eleven thirty five, 35, which tells us that Jesus wept. Just two words, Jesus wept. Um, but today we're looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, which kind of finds itself in the middle of a sentence that makes up verses 16, 17, and 18. So let's look at those together. If you're following along in, um, in your Bible, that's wonderful. Um, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles in the pews. Um, you can grab one of those uh, from the chair in front of you and turn to page 1841. And we'll look at these uh, final instructions that, that 
Paul, who was a church planter, he went around the the ancient world and planted churches all around the Mediterranean rim. One of those churches was in a city called Thessalonica, and uh, this letter to the Thessalonians um, is one of two letters that we have in in the Bible in the New Testament that was written back to these churches to instruct them and to encourage them and to educate them on on following Christ and and on living. Uh, transformational lives uh, in in their world. So um, when we read verses 16 through 18, we see that this little verse 17 that's tucked in the middle there um, is part of a broader context. And he says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I think that last phrase is really important because uh, all three of these are God's will for you in Christ Jesus, that you would always be joyful, that you would pray continually, and that you would give thanks in all circumstances. And those all work together, that if we do this, we, can, we don't have to be thankful for all circumstances. That's not, what the, that's not what verse 18 says. It says that we would give thanks. We would find something to be grateful for in all circumstances, and that will unleash joy in our lives, as we talked about last week. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And a big part of that will is that you would pray continually. And it's not because God wants your prayers. It's because God wants you. And prayer is the vehicle by which we connect with God. And it's good. So why would we want to stop? Why would we want to stop praying? This is a good thing. It's It, it accomplishes good things in our lives. It is very positive in every way. And, you know, I used to think that prayer was something you did with your head bowed and your hands folded and your eyes closed. And, and that really limited the times that you could pray because you can't be praying if you're driving down the road if you have to have your head bowed and your eyes closed and your, and your hands folded together. But I, I came to learn and I came to realize that prayer is so much more than that. And one of the books that I read that was really helpful in broadening my perspective on prayer and what all um, encompassed prayer was a book by Dallas Willard titled Hearing God. And the subtitle is De- Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. And the more the more I, I practiced that, the more I tried the different things that uh, he suggests in the book, the more I found myself um, having conversation with God. In fact, that's Willard's definition of prayer. He says, prayer is conversation with God about matters of mutual concern. Prayer is just conversation with God about matters of mutual concern. And basically, if it matters to you, it matters to God because God matters. I'm sorry, if it matters to you, it matters to God because you matter to God. You matter to God. Now, you, the things that you're concerned about may not be concerned about in the same way that God is concerned about them, but if you're concerned about it, that matters to God. And so anything you pick up the phone, so to speak, to talk to God about matters to him because it matters to you, because you matter to him. And he wants to connect with you. He wants to share with you. He wants to have that ongoing relationship like you would have with your best friend. You don't need an appointment to call your best friend. You just pick up the phone and call. And that's the way it is with God. You don't have to have an appointment. It doesn't have to be before a meal or on a Sunday morning or at some other set time. Those are great times and great activities and great ways to connect with God. But but really, you can connect with God at any point. Because prayer, as Willard has said, is conversation with God about matters 
of mutual concern. And the more you pray, and this is something I certainly found to be true in my life, my prayers were pretty self-centered and pretty focused on me and my world and what was going on in my life um, initially. But over time, as I read more scripture, as I, as I spent more time serving and I spent more time contributing to the kingdom of God, I started to find that if it matters to God, it ought to matter to me. If it matters to God, it ought to matter to me. And so I would ask God about things that I was reading in his word or things that I was seeing or, or things that I was hearing in sermons. And and I would question, I would wrestle with those things. And he would give me thoughts that weren't my thoughts. And it helped me to see that 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 I was learning from him. I was hearing from him. Not so much an audible voice, but hearing from him through through other conversations, through songs, through through his word. Um, as I started to journal, I, I would I would get clarity around ideas and around thoughts and around concepts that I don't think I would have gotten any other way, and so that really helped me to develop uh, a conversational relationship with God or a conversational uh, prayer life with God. And then this week, when I was uh, studying for this passage uh, and for this sermon, uh, I had the unique opportunity to really do a, an in-depth word study on every word in the passage because there were only two. Um, and continually is not a big surprise. Continually means, you know, without ceasing. That's sometimes how this is translated, that you would pray without ceasing, pray continually, pray, pray without stopping, that, that there's never really an end to your prayer, that if you, if, if, if there's a pause, it's not because you're done, it's just because you're doing something else at the moment, but you're still praying, you're still in that in that and like if you were ever in love and you would talk on the phone and you, you would find yourself sometimes just watching tv together on the phone and you're not saying anything but you're still you're still with each other in that way and i think sometimes that can be the way that we go through our day that we're, we're breathing in breathing out inhaling and exhaling prayer to god and that we're doing the entire day with god in communion with him in conversation with him but this greek word that we translate as pray uh, in this passage, the Greek word is prosukamai, prosukamai, and it literally means to exchange wishes or to interact with the Lord by switching our human wishes and ideas for His wishes as He imparts faith. So we're talking about an exchange, and so much of of, of the Greek language is is word pictures. And so when, when we look at the word for prayer, prosukamai, we're talking about exchanging wishes, that we're, we are giving him our wishes and we're taking on his. And so many of my early prayers were so one way. They were so unilateral. I was just telling him everything I wanted. I was just reading off my wish list to him and never taking on his wishes, never, never adopting his desires. For my life, and this is really important because in Isaiah fifty-five, verse eight and nine, um, we read that that your thoughts. This is what God says to His people. He says, "Your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways are not my ways." In fact, my ways are so much higher than your ways. My thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. They're as high as the heavens. The highest heaven is above the earth, and. And he's basically saying they're not on the same page, that our natural inclination and our flesh and our sinful nature is so far from God's thoughts and God's ways that we do need to exchange our thoughts for his thoughts. And we do need to exchange our ways for his ways. That's, that's why, because they're so far apart by, by their nature. Now, the more time we spend in this conversational prayer life with God, the more time we spend in this relationship with him, and the more time... 
that we're conversing about matters of mutual concern and we're exchanging our wishes for his wishes, that's when our thoughts will start to change and our ways will start to change because God understands something that psychology has confirmed in, in the last couple hundred years that when you change your thoughts, you change your behavior. When you change the things you think about, you change your behavior. Proverbs 23, 7 said this thousands of years ago, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That it's not so much what we see on the outside that that tells us about a man or about a woman. It's it's what's going on internally and what is the true nature of the person. It starts with the thought life. And then Paul said it a, a couple, maybe a thousand years later, um, 2,000 years ago in Romans 12, 2. He said, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That what is going to change you, what is going to transform you, is going to be changes in the way that you think, changes in the decisions that you make and the actions that you take. And so with the time we have left, I want to talk about three ways to pray. Three ways to pray. First, pray continually. That's that's the exhortation that we're looking at today. And when we talk about praying continually, I'm talking about don't ever really stop. Don't ever stop praying. Do it all day. Pray, do it, do it at specific times, but do it at all times. Do it intentionally. And build things into your life that draw you back into that relationship with God, draw you back into that prayer relationship with God. Now you know, it's some, sometimes we pray at meals. Well, that's great. That's a great time to build into your day to pray, but that's not the only time to pray. We pray on Sunday mornings, and that's wonderful, but that's not the only time to pray. And if you do a devotional in the morning or in the evening or, or both, then do that. Um, but don't, don't limit it to those times. I, I really believe that this exhortation that we have here is to do this at all times. And if you have a hard time kind of building that into your life, building that into your daily routine, uh, one suggestion that has been extremely helpful to me and to many others that I know is to fast, to, to skip a meal or two. And every time you feel hungry, you make that a reminder to pray. You make that a reminder to return to God in prayer. And and don't forget to pray. Like make it intentional. Make it something that that you don't allow yourself to forget. Whether you put timers on your, your smartphone or you, you put notes around your house or, or you do what you need to do to make sure because you're designed to run on God. You're designed to run on this relationship with God and you can accept no substitute. And Really, we put all kinds of other things into that God-shaped hole, but God is the only thing that fills it. So success and money and power and and pleasure and all of these other things that we can try to put into that hole, they don't work. We're not designed to run on them. We're designed to run on God. In fact, one pastor I, I follow fairly closely is Tim Keller, um, who ministers in New York City, and he was speaking about prayer at a conference, and he said, you know, if you had a a chronic condition that um, there was a medicine, and as long as you took your medicine, you'd be fine. But if you missed your medicine, even one day, you forgot to take it, you would die within 24 hours. You wouldn't forget to take your medicine, would you? Because it was literally life or death situation. And we need to view prayer this way. We need to view our relationship with God, maintaining that, growing that, cultivating that, fostering that in that way because you were designed to run on God. 
And you also need to be aware that you have an enemy who doesn't want you to pray. You have an enemy who's going to distract you and cause you to forget as much as he possibly can. But the more important you make it to yourself and the more habitual you make it to yourself, the deeper and richer your relationship with God will be. And one of the, one of the things that Willard suggests in his book, Hearing God, is uh, the development of what he calls prayer triggers. And really anything can become a prayer trigger. Anything that happens throughout your day can become a prayer trigger. For me, um, I spoke last week, I mentioned that red lights uh, have become a gratitude prayer trigger. I used to grumble every time I hit a red light. And now I use that time as time to be in prayer with God, offering prayers of thanks. Uh, took something that was a negative throughout my day and turned it into a positive. Um, clock ticking. I used to hate it when a clock ticked. And just that t sound would be very distracting to me. I wouldn't be able to focus on other things. And uh, I, I turned a clock ticking into a prayer trigger. And I'll often recite Psalm 90 where Moses says, Teach us to number our days aright, O Lord, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And, and that, when I hear a clock ticking, it becomes a distraction to me. It reminds me to pray. And I, I ask God to help me to number my days, to make the best use of my time, to gain a heart of wisdom. So whatever whatever your prayer triggers might be, maybe it's a picture, maybe it's uh, maybe you know when I see a, a silver Avalon, I got a silver Avalon. It's 2006. It's got 205,000 miles on it, and you know I could always be thinking about what's next. But every time I see a silver Avalon in traffic, I I thank God for my car, and it's another thing that reminds me to be thankful. And and there are all kinds of ways that you can build prayer triggers into your life. So that's the first one, pray continually. The second one is to pray together. Pray with other people. Pray with your family. Pray with your church family. Pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ because our bottom line today is the family that prays together stays together. The family that prays together stays together. This is so true because it is so hard to drift apart when you're praying together. And so I would say the husbands and wives, the, the marriage that prays together stays together. The parents and children that pray together stay together. The brothers and sisters that pray together stay together. In fact, I believe the staff that prays together stays together. So we've built prayer as a staff into our daily routine. We have what we call the five at nine. And we take about five minutes at nine o'clock in the morning when we're starting our day and we touch base real quick. So everybody knows if somebody's going to be out of, out of the office for a while. So there's some practical things, some logistical things that we do, but we always close that time with prayer for the day. And at least once a week, we actually pray for each other, pray for the person on your right or pray for the person on your left. And if somebody's going through something difficult or they have a doctor's appointment or they have uh, a challenging meeting coming up or a big event that they're putting on, we pray specifically for those things. And so we build it into our lives and praying together. But we've also done this in my family. At home, we pray. We, we sing a song because it's easier to sing a song with little boys um, before a meal than to get everybody to sit still and be quiet sometimes. So we do that. Um, but we sing that together, and it's a song of gratitude and thanks. Um, and, and it unites us for a moment, and it unites us with each other, and it unites us with God. We also pray together at the end of the day. And we're working to develop, you know, a morning prayer routine that gets the day off on the right foot. And, uh, and we pray at the end of the day and we listen to each person pray. And, and it's just precious to hear, hear the kids pray at the different ages and stages of their life. Um, but we do this and we make it intentional and we build it into the pattern of our day because we know that there is an enemy that does not want us to pray together, that does not want our family to pray together because he does not want our family to stay together.
and we need to pray as a church family, and we need to do this more than just a, you know, a pastoral prayer moment or, or a, a single voice prayer moment. Uh, we need to get together and pray together in our Sunday school classes and our link groups. And in fact, every Sunday and uh, every second Sunday of the month at 9:30, we pray in the chapel. In fact, last week we had or last month we had a wonderful experience where it was standing room only in the prayer chapel. And I tell you what, I, I want to be a part of a church that it's standing room only in the prayer chapel. That that enough people showed up. They they came early. They. They made it a priority, and we prayed together. We prayed over the needs of the church. We prayed over the needs of people within the church. We prayed over um, God's work at, among us, and uh, it's powerful. It's powerful. So I, I encourage you to take opportunities. We've got one gal um, who who comes to Linwood, and once a week she comes and she walks through every room in this building, and she prays, and she walks up and down the aisles in the sanctuary, and she prays, and she listens to worship music and prays for our church and prays for children's ministry and prays for youth ministry and prays for our, our adults' ministries and prays in our staff and our offices, and I just I love that. I wish there were more uh, that did that. And I would tell you the most ha- important half hour of prayer that I spend each week is the time that I spend walking around this building, walking up and down the halls, walking uh, up and down the the aisles in the sanctuary, touching every chair and just praying that God would fill it with somebody who's hungry for him, that the people who come would connect with him, that his words would be spoken through me, not my words. And so I encourage you to, to pray. You know, Our office is open. You can pray at any time in this church. You can come in we will find a place for you to pray. If you want to come and pray through this place, we'd love for you to do that. But I also want to be a church that prays for other churches and prays for the kingdom and prays for revival. Uh, there are so many ways that we can be engaged in praying for other churches and for God's work in this community and in this region and this nation and in this world. And so, you know, you may have noticed that we've started putting slides up on, on the screens that that list two churches. One is a, a local congregation and another is a uh, another Wesleyan church in our district and we pray for them and I write them a note card each week to let them know that we're praying for them here at Linwood. And God is doing amazing things through that. I have no doubt whatsoever. And we pray for other ministries and you can pick up, if you stop by um, uh, the front doors on your way out, there's a, an information desk there. And there's all kinds of ways to get connected, praying for our missions partners like Tom and Lady Hines who are here this morning or the Enses who were here a couple of months ago. There are other ministries that you can pick up and pray for. Um, there's uh, 31 Days of Prayer with Child Evangelism Fellowship that you can pray for. Uh, these cards are available, and you can put that in a place where you will see it every day, like in your Bible, because you're reading your Bible every day. Um, and you can pray and pray for those, pray for God to bless those ministries and to, for God's kingdom to expand. And, uh, you know, the the third way, we've talked about praying continually, praying together. The third way is to make sure we're praying transformationally. Make sure we're praying expectantly. Because prayer is not meant to be transactional. It's not a box to check. It's not that if we pray enough or we pray hard enough or we pray the right words in the right order or we pray with the right volume or, or in the right place or the right posture, it's not transactional. It's transformational. That that. We're praying for transformation. We're not praying just to obtain what we want. We're praying to desire what he wants us to desire. We're praying to be so in tune with God that we want the things that he wants, that the things that break his heart break our hearts. 
that the things that delight him delight us. In fact, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I used to think that that verse meant that, that if I really you know, delight myself in God, he'll give me everything my heart desires. But that's not what it says. He says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you, he will place within you the desires of your heart. He will give you the things to desire. He will reformat and change your desires. And sometimes we pray without expecting anything to change. And it's such a tragedy. And I catch myself in it sometimes. And I think, you know, I was, I prayed for something and then it happens and I'm surprised. And I think I shouldn't have been surprised. I should have expected it to happen. But we have an enemy who doesn't want us to pray transformationally. We have an enemy that doesn't want us to exchange our wishes for God's wishes, to change, to, to be transformed. We have an enemy who doesn't want us to pray expectantly, to really expect things to happen in faith. And that was such an incredible and important part of that definition when we talked about prayer literally meaning to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes for his wishes as he imparts faith. That when he gives you the desires of your heart, he gives you the faith to believe in it too. And he gives you the faith to expect, to, to learn and to grow and to change, to be blessed, to become everything that he wants you to be. And so we're going to to close now with a time of response and, and there'll be a song playing and you just have freedom to, to worship for you're seated, to come forward, to, to receive prayer, to have somebody pray with you or to just come forward and kneel at the altar and, and, and pray with God or maybe make an altar where you're seated and respond in faith to God and to his word and, and decide how are you going to respond to this message? Are you going to encourage someone else in their prayer life? Are you going to build prayer into more of your day? Are you going to develop a few prayer triggers and create some habits around prayer so that you can develop a conversational relationship with God so that you can pray continually and pray with others, pray together and pray transformationally? So whatever your response is, I, I hope and I pray that it will be something where you respond in faith to God's word, that you're different tomorrow because you came to church today. That's my hope and my prayer for you, Lord. We, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the invitation that we have to come to you in prayer. We thank you for the exhortation that you gave us in your word to pray continually, that you really want to hear from us all day throughout the day, that you want us to be in constant communion with you as we're coming, as we're going, as we're conversing, as we're working, as we're resting, as we're enjoying things, as we're struggling with things. Lord, you invite us to do it all with you through prayer. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this church and for the opportunity that we have to be a prayerful family of prayerful families. Help us now to respond in faith to your word. Help us to each respond to you and to be changed, to be transformed, to become more and more like Jesus every day. It's in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs>